1: The Taliban consolidates control over Afghanistan, and it's doing so online as well as on the ground. Reports say the U.S. State Department has come under cyber attack. State says that any such incident was without significant effect. The Shiny Hunters say they've obtained a great deal of PII from AT&T, but AT&T says whatever the crooks have, it didn't come from AT&T. Carol Terrio wonders if things are really getting better for women in cybersecurity. Rick Howard conducts some orchestration with the hash table, and exploitation gives organizations even more incentive to patch Microsoft Exchange server instances. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, August 23rd, 2021. As the Taliban consolidates control over Afghanistan, it has established checkpoints and is conducting house-to-house searches to find collaborators with the former regime, the Washington Post reports. According to NBC News, Afghans are purging their social media accounts in an effort to remove all signs of connection with Western nations, international human rights groups, the Afghan military, or the recently collapsed Afghan government. Among the content that people fear might suggest such connection are items that are commonly shared in social media. Quote, Three people in Kabul told NBC News that they had deleted documents and photos from their phones that might provoke the ire of the Taliban, including photos with Afghan officials, pictures of the Afghan flag, and photos with foreign colleagues. Much of the deleted content is most likely hosted on social media platforms like Facebook. End quote. Taliban fighters at checkpoints are demanding that people seeking to pass turn their phones over for inspection. Retired U.S. Army General David Petraeus, former commander of Central Command and former director of Central Intelligence, speaking at the Atlantic Council event this morning, disputed characterizations of conditions in Afghanistan as an intelligence failure. He says, on the contrary, that it was a failure of strategic patience. Quoting at length and with approval from an op-ed in the New York Times by former U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan C. Crocker, published Saturday. This, Crocker argued, and Petraeus agreed, is historically a common American failing. Petraeus thinks one likely sequel to the Taliban's seizure of power will be the formation of a number of virtual caliphates, similar to the ones ISIS established during its ascendancy— and that this seems to be the likeliest form in which Afghanistan may foster terrorism. If they follow the ISIS playbook, the virtual caliphates will be heavy on inspiration, and they'll quickly exploit ungoverned territory to reestablish themselves. Does the Taliban face obstacles in cyberspace and kinetic space? According to Petraeus, they do. Quote, The Taliban is broke. The lights could literally go out in Kabul— and they are likely to be unable to deliver basic services, end quote. The new regime is likely to remain heavily dependent on foreign largesse, which is now less likely to materialize. And what of the conduct of the evacuation itself? Various scenarios have been played out by the planners, Petraeus said, and evacuation would have been one of them. But it's quite another matter to do that when a government collapses suddenly and it's difficult to run non-combatant evacuation for what in effect is a very large and imprecisely defined refugee population. He said, quote, now that we've decided to do this, it's been going on very impressively, end quote, but noted that the U.S. has written a very significant blank check with respect to evacuation. Washington must decide who gets into the airport, gets a plane ride out, and where that plane goes. And then... And this is the hard call. Who doesn't get out? Whatever happens, it's likely to figure in future Taliban influence operations. Saturday afternoon, Fox News broke the story that the U.S. State Department had come under cyber attack. State has, as is its policy, neither confirmed nor denied the report. But Reuters said that a knowledgeable source told them, without confirming any incident, that the State Department has not experienced significant disruptions and has not had its operations impeded in any way. A State Department spokesperson said, quote, The Department takes seriously its responsibility to safeguard its information and continuously takes steps to ensure information is protected. For security reasons, we are not in a position to discuss the nature or scope of any alleged cybersecurity incidents at this time. End quote. Restore Privacy said late last week that shiny hunters are claiming on Raid Forum to have stolen a large quantity of customer data from AT&T and teased some of the data in a leak that solicited buyers for the information. AT&T said that wherever the data came from, it wasn't from them. The company told Restore Privacy, Based on our investigation today, the information that appeared in an internet chat room does not appear to have come from our systems. Restore Privacy sees AT&T's characterization of Raid Forum as an internet chat room, as an attempt to minimize Raid Forum's importance. That seems unduly puritanical. Raid Forum is basically a chat platform. That it's been widely used by criminals is beyond dispute, but there seems no reason to try to accord them unusual effect. The Shiny Hunters have invited AT&T to negotiate the unreleased data's return— Intel 471 offers an interesting review of who the Shiny Hunters are, including the homage to Pokemon embedded in the gang's name. They describe the Shiny Hunters' most profitable and most dangerous actions at each stage of the MITRE attack framework. Security firm Huntress Labs reported, also at the end of last week, that unpatched Microsoft Exchange servers continue to be prospected for known vulnerabilities. And we note, in a spirit of disclosure, that Microsoft is a sponsor of the CyberWire. Much of the exploitation has been conducted by ProxyShell. Late this morning, Huntress added that they've discerned a new technique in the attacker's approach. Quote, While analyzing one host that was compromised with both ProxyShell and the lockfile ransomware, we uncovered a unique TTP that we had not seen before for ProxyShell activity. The configuration file for the Exchange Internet Service was modified to include a new virtual directory, which practically redirects one URL endpoint to another location on the file system. This allows a threat actor to hide a web shell in other uncommon and non-standard locations, outside of the typically monitored ASP directories. If you don't know to look for this, this is going to slip under the radar, and the hackers will persist in the target environment." So, the researchers' counsel staying alert, that, and of course, the importance of patching. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. visit zscaler.com/zerotrustai Our lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time and close deals fast It is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show the CyberWire's Chief Security Officer and also Chief Analyst Rick Howard. Hello, Rick. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. So on last week's CSO Perspectives episode, you discussed automatic orchestration as a first principle strategy. And if I recall correctly, you recommended that implementing it should go pretty high on the priority queue. Now, this week, you brought in two of your experts from the CyberWire hash table to get their thoughts did they agree with you on your
2: take? <laughs> I think you're anticipating me here, Dave. Right? Because you know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't want to blow the you know the lead or anything. But my favorite episodes are the ones where where your your colleagues take you to task. <laughs> well, you know, that's exactly how this one went. Okay, so <laughs> okay. very good, very good.
2: So I invited Bob Turner, the Fortinet Field CSO for Education, who, by the way, has just recently taken that gig. He was formerly the CISO for the University of Wisconsin at Madison, and Kevin McGee, the chief security officer for Microsoft Canada. And, yeah. you know, technically, they didn't disagree with the importance of automatic orchestration, but they were pretty emphatic that something else needed to be done first.
1: All right. Well, last week, you focused on some of the technical strategies that you might use to implement orchestration, things like DevOps or security orchestration platforms. You even talked about uh, a sassy architecture. So uh, what is it that Kevin and Bob wanted you to do first? Well, as they say in the biz, Dave, that would be a teaser, right? So if you want to hear <laughs> <laughs>
2: what they had to say, download and listen the ep- to the episode.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you you heard it here first. Go check it out. It's part of CSO Perspectives, part of CyberWire Pro. You can find that over on our website, Cyberwire.com. Rick Howard, thanks for joining us. When it comes to women in cybersecurity, it's fair to say that progress has been made. There are more women in the field and in higher positions than ever before. That said, there is still much to be done. Our UK correspondent Carol Terrio shares this commentary.
0: I have worked in the cybersecurity world for probably 20 years And there's one thing that I can say about the industry. It is never boring because every day someone somewhere is putting out some information about an attack or a proof of concept or a vulnerability. Dangerous apps, dodgy deep fakes, social engineering attacks. I mean, the list goes on. There's this constant fight between people trying to protect data and information and those trying to steal or take information. And that makes it a truly exhilarating industry to be in. But one of the downsides for me at the time was there wasn't that many women in strong technical roles or leadership roles or board level. It was a very male dominated environment. And I think it would have been immeasurably better had we had more female input in the mix. I mean, sure, it is way better now than it was when I first started. Now you will see women head up large teams, present keynotes and research at conferences, develop cyber defences. But I'll tell you, men still outnumber women by an embarrassing gap. According to ISC Squared in their Women in Cybersecurity report, Women represent basically one in three, and compensation is not yet considered equitable. Quote, women in cybersecurity managerial positions earn about $5,000 less than men, indicating there is still an issue that needs to be addressed. Unquote. But, and this is a happy but, there is a shift, according to ISC Squared, of companies hiring more women in high positions. Women also seem to be more educated. This may be down to inequities in compensation. And the way women are dealing with that is by presenting themselves by having more education and more certifications than their male counterparts. Smart move. Because these women that are coming into the industry now will be our future leaders. And I want them to have all the qualities that any good leader has. Experience, wisdom, nouse, and a strategic mindset. And you get there by learning, by failing, by risking. These are all important qualities that help make a good leader to my mind. And why not do it somewhere exciting rather than somewhere where the same thing happens day in, day out. So women, this is a call to you. Join cybersecurity. We need you. This was Carol Terrio for The Cyberwire.
1: And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire Podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Peru Prakash, Justin Savie, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here. Tomorrow,
2: hey, all Rick here.